John chapter 17. We have, um, in Ecclesiastes, our study with Solomon has told us that Solomon is sharing his worldview, and, and um, we have looked at these worldviews last week, just as a matter of review. Last week, um, we went over this, and understand there are many more worldviews than, than just these four, okay? This kind of gets the spectrum. We could add the Eastern worldviews, um, the New Age worldviews, but this this gives you a basic understanding. And, of course, a biblical worldview, there's various questions that a worldview, in other words, how you view the world, what happens in your world, we ask questions, where did we come from, our origin, what's wrong, what went wrong in this world? You can't deny it. There are things wrong in this world. I mean, evil and suffering and and all, what went wrong and what's the solution to it? And then where do I fit in this, my, my purpose? Now, last week we tried to drill in us. The four basic points of the God narrative of seeing things from a biblical perspective. So if you switched your, your section that you're seated, you may be thrown off. But it begins with origin is creation. Okay, not everybody that was in here this morning was in here last week. Okay. This section, what went wrong? The fall of man. Man sinned. And by, by sin and the fall of man, sin was passed on to all mankind. And the solution to this is redemption, all right? That Jesus Christ alone can buy us back from the penalty of sin. That's the gospel. That's the the good news that um, the creation, the fall, the redemption, and lastly, restoration. That we are restored to fellowship with God. In the garden, they had fellowship with God. We are restored. We now, as believers, have fellowship with God. But ultimately, the restoration will be that we are restored completely with no sin, no self, complete fellowship with God in heaven. And and as you as you look at life through that, you see the the evil that is around us. What's wrong? What's gone on in our world today? Well, the problem is that there's the fall and and we are responsible for our sin. I'm not going to go into all the details, but listen, if you, if you understand 
this aspect here across the biblical framework and then understand the people that, that you're seeing act out, the people that you're working with, where do they fall in this world today? Our, our whole world was turned upside down by 9-11. They referred to that in the, in the video that we saw. Well, you have to understand, and it, it doesn't make it right, but to see where they're seeing things, they, they believe in creation, but we are not created in the image of God. Their aspect, what went wrong, well, there's just a lot of deception going on and, and a lot of lies. And the solution is you are saved by Allah's choice. It's up to him whether you say, but the one way that you will be guaranteed of, of paradise is if you are a martyr in a jihad warfare. Then, then you are guaranteed of eternity. You you ask the question, how can these people go blow themselves up? Because they're believing the lies. They That's how they're looking through. That's how they're seeing life. We, we live in a world today, as I said, that's seeking to destroy Western civilization. Why? Because they believe the problem is that... Um, Western civilization has oppressed the whole world, and if we can remove that, then we can set up, and so they're seeking to destroy that, we can set up a utopian earth. And, and if you have a biblical worldview, you look at that and say, how, how nonsensical is that? But it is important that we come back and make sure that not just these, but that we have a biblical worldview in how we see things. John records Jesus' message in John 17. And really, in John 17, we find the Lord actually praying. What we commonly call the Lord's Prayer is the model prayer. This is the Lord praying, and you read the entire chapter on your own later today or this week, but I'm beginning in verse 9. Jesus said, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not in the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. 
As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So Jesus is, is teaching about our relationship as followers of him to the world that we're in. And as Christians, we are to relate to the world as Jesus did, to be in it, but distinct from it. For example, Jesus was in the world, but not isolated from worldly people. He didn't go live in some monastery um, separated from any worldly influence. He was in the world, and his life came in contact with worldly people often. In fact, the religious leaders of the day railed on him and criticized him because he, he was with worldly people. But Jesus was in the world on a divine mission. He came and he said, those that are whole don't need a physician. They don't need a doctor. But those that are sick, he came to minister redemption. He came to bring restoration. He came to be the solution for sin. And he came on a mission, and you know that Jesus expected opposition in the world when he came. He knew that his message would not be well received. He knew that they would persecute him. He knew that they would crucify him. He knew that it would not bring unity but division. Now, As Christians, we are to relate to the world just as Jesus did, to be in it, but to be distinct from it. Christians are to be distinct from the world. So that means several things. Number one, we must have a separate mindset or worldview that comes from God's Word. In other words... Our worldview, our mindset should be different than the average person because our mindset, how we view things, it's looking through the Bible. What does the Bible say about this? How does God view this? That we're looking through the Bible, that we, we serve a, a different master, that, that we have totally different priorities. And so... We will see things differently. You think, whether it's current events, whether it's history, that we will seek to, to see it, okay, what principles of God, what truths of God. And we, we talked some about this last week. If you, if you weren't here, you can get the message and, and read it. We're not going to go back over it. But we have a, a, a different mindset, a different worldview. And as Christians, to be distinct from the world, that is just the beginning. We secondly must live according to the Word of God. It's not just to see things from here. We then must implement these truths into our life. 
It's been said, men may refuse to see the truth of your arguments, but as a Christian, they cannot evade the evidence of a godly life. They may refuse the reasonings. They may, they may reject it and say, I don't agree with that. But they should not be able to avoid or evade the evidence of a godly life, of what happens in my life when I have a biblical worldview, when I view things from God's perspective, and then live accordingly. It's not enough just to to have the right position, to have the right doctrine. Doctrine is very important. I'm not minimizing that one bit, but it must be lived out of our lives for the very sake. What is, and and let me just list a few things. What do you view as your purpose of life? I know we're sitting in church and we've been around church long enough that we know to say the purpose of life is to glorify God. But is your life run by that purpose? I mean, when when you go to work, is it, God, I'm doing this job for you? Well, you don't know who I work for. If you're a Christian, you're working for God. That's who you're working for. And And our work, we should see our work from God's perspective. How does God view, how does God want me to view my work? How does God want me to view the purpose of my life? Do I do I give my life to to make life easy for me? Well, that's no different than the world's living. If I have Jesus Christ, so I have a home eternal in heaven and I go out and live like the world that my priority, well, we don't live totally like the world, but our priorities, I want to make life easy for me. I want to enjoy life. It's all about me. That's not a biblical worldview. How do we view trials that come into our life? If I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck, you know? Or is God at work in the trials? How do we view the things that come into our life that maybe we didn't want. And a lot of those things come in life, don't they? Most weeks don't go exactly like you wanted them to go. There are things that pop up in life that you say, that's the last thing I would have chosen to happen. Well, how do you view those things? We can get bitter and angry and cynical and, and critical and, and cut everybody off. Or we can say, you know what, God, I submit this to you. You are in control. I don't know what you're wanting to teach me, but I'm all ears. I want to learn what you want to teach me. I want to know what you want to, how you want to use this in my life. I mentioned already the, the aspect of work. Christians should be the best workers there are. That that corporations, businesses, bosses should say, you're a Christian? Man, you're on. 
I know you'll work hard. I know you'll be honest. I know you'll show up every day. And I know you'll put in a full day's work. You're on. Christian bosses ought to be the best bosses in the world. Somebody finds out, he's a Christian? Man, I want to go work for him. I know Christians take care of their people. I know Christians are are compassionate. I know Christians are consistent. They They ought to say, I want to work for him. But when we don't have a biblical worldview, or it's only in our head, we work no different than the world, and we're no different bosses than the world. When we have a biblical worldview, it will affect every aspect of our work. It will affect our marriage, a biblical worldview. We, the last 15 years, there's been a battle going on in our, in our nation about the definition of marriage. What is marriage? Well, a biblical worldview makes it pretty simple. It's one man and one woman, biologically, I mean, the things you have to define nowadays, it's incredible. One biologically born man and one biologically born woman that are united together in marriage until death parts them. You know, the average church today doesn't have a biblical worldview of marriage. Because they leave off the until death parts them. I'm talking evangelical churches. A biblical view of marriage. A biblical view of marriage. The roles of man. The roles of the wife. A biblical view of marriage that the husband loves his wife and and is willing to sacrifice for her. And in loving his wife, he his model is... To love her like Christ loves the church. That doesn't treat her as a less than. It doesn't treat her as a servant. doesn't treat her as a slave. doesn't speak evil of her. doesn't speak harshly to her. And the wife is to honor her husband as the church does Christ. We live in a day-to-day we probably wouldn't be in the mess we're in as a nation if, if Christians had actually lived a biblical viewpoint of marriage. To now, we're at the point that no one even knows what marriage is. A biblical viewpoint. What does the Bible say about sex? Well, the Bible says that sex is God's design. It wasn't Satan's design. The Bible says that sex is a wonderful thing that God designed. And he said it's between one man and one woman in marriage. And he designed it for a number of purposes. It is for pleasure. It is for bonding. It's amazing our science and research now. The study of the brain is expanding. The brain isn't expanding. The study of the brain is expanding. And they're finding that our hookup society, that 
that means you just find someone to have sex with this weekend and tomorrow night and go on to somebody else, that it is leaving people more empty and frustrated than anything else. Why? Because God designed sex to be done in marriage And it has a bonding effect. It releases chemicals in the brain. So the hookup society releases chemical bonding, break. Releases chemical bonding, break. Release chemical bonding, break. And so you've got this dichotomy going on. Bond, break. Bond, break. And people are despairing for life. Why? They they believe the worldview that it's just... There is no God. There is no creator. If it feels good, do it. Or if it feels good, it is good. God, God's the one that designed sex. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. When you keep it in the parameters. And when it's not, it wreaks havoc on mankind. Do you understand, if mankind had just followed God's design, there would be no such thing as sexually transmitted diseases. Incredible, isn't it? But a biblical worldview, and the world, as the the world goes further and further the wrong direction, Christianity keeps the six inches from it. But that means we're clear over here now. No, a biblical worldview... Regarding family, God's design for family. Regarding forgiveness, they did me dirt and I'm not going to forgive them or I'll forgive them but I'm not going to have anything to do with them. That's not forgiveness. How would you like God to forgive you and not have anything to do with you? We can sing about mercies, we can sing about grace, we can talk about heaven, we can talk about deliverance from hell, but a biblical worldview gets down to the nitty-gritty of when someone's offended me, how do I respond to it? What's God's view? How am I to respond? God's view of church? Oh boy, that's that's an issue too, isn't it? Because, man, when you have church, you have people, and when you have people, you have problems. Did you ever think that God designed you to be around people to sanctify you? In John 17, what we read, he said, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm asking you to keep them from the evil one and to sanctify them. Sanctify means we become Every day, more and more like Christ, set apart to him. So in God's design and purpose, he puts us in his design, a church. And in a church, there's some people that are kind of weird, okay? From your perspective, it's that person, and from their perspective, it's you. So... In reality, we're all weird in a certain way. Amen? Most of us don't think we are, but I admit I'm weird, okay? I thought I'd get an amen out of that, but... And God puts us with people that maybe rub us the wrong way to teach us love 
and joy and long-suffering and temperance, self-control. These are all fruit of the Spirit. If he put you in a place where it was just you and everything went your way, you'd never learn long-suffering. You'd never learn how to forgive. You'd never, you'd never learn genuine peace in the midst of a trial. To have a biblical worldview, you have to look at government, the way God looks at government. Did you know government was God's design? God raised up human government. We don't have time to go there. But we must live according to the Word of God. And when we do, it will make an impact on the people around us. Because not living according to the Word of God or not having a biblical worldview ends up in sorrow and despair and destruction and death. That's what Satan's come to do. So we must live according to the Word of God. Thirdly, we must realize we are in enemy territory. I'm not going to ask him to bring that chart up, but on that chart, the first layer was biblical, and I don't care how many other worldviews you add there under that, all of them are against a biblical worldview. They are all various arrows from Satan's quiver that he is shooting to destroy biblical Christianity in one form or another. This world will never be a friend to biblical worldview. Satan will do anything he can to keep us from being the copies of Christ that we are to be. When, when I say today that we are to vote, I am not saying we are to vote and we're going to bring in an, a righteous kingdom here. No, we're, vote, we're to vote for righteousness, and it's to hold back the evil at, at the very best. To get a government that praises that which is good and judges that which is evil. But in this world, and, and as Americans, we've been favored. We've, we've had a nation throughout our history that's been favorable to Christianity. Now it's, it's not becoming that. But we must realize, as Satan did, that There is opposition. We are in the enemy territory. And we must always be about our mission. Our purpose is to not get through life with a pure worldview. Wow, look at I I made it through that maze of life, and I've still got the right doctrine, and I've still got the right worldview. No, our mission in life is to develop a worldview to take it to the world. He said, I don't ask that you take them out of the world. But I ask that you would use them in the world to be the salt and light. Our, our mission is to, have a, to see life from a biblical point of view, to live it out, to step into this world and show them, ah, that's how God designed marriage to be. Ah, that's what God designed money, how it to be, should be handled. Oh, that's God's design for sex. I thought you as Christians were against sex. No, God is very much for it. 
in his plan and his purpose. See, and we step into here, and, and it's not to bring them to a worldview. It's the worldview that God created, man fell, and Jesus Christ loves you, and he came to redeem you and to restore you to fellowship with God. And there's the whole ball of wax right there. And that's our mission. It shouldn't, we, we shouldn't walk around whining, oh, they, they don't like Christians, they don't like this, this world is, no. What do you expect? It's under the prince and the power of the air. And Jesus said, I knew that they, they wouldn't endorse me. But we are on a mission. It's not to run and, and gather over here and, and have a, a worldview party. Look at we all share the same worldview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's to take that worldview and to plug it in where you work. And they say, man, why do you work like that? Because I'm working for God. He's the one that gives me the power to do that. You're still with your wife? 35 years you've been married here? Man, I could never do that. Neither could I if it weren't for God's design and purpose. I'm not saying that bad about my wife. I'm saying, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. That's what I'm saying. And we are on a mission to bring light as I said, all these other worldviews, they need to know creation, fall, redemption, restoration. They need to know that. And so it's not, oh, I want to I just insulate myself from the world. There is a time to insulate yourself to prepare for warfare. It's basic training, they call it. But then we're sent out to make a difference in this world. So we ask this question. Are you too isolated from the world to make a difference? Or are you too much like the world to make a difference? See, there's so many ways to go wrong from a balanced life. Too isolated or too much like the world? Do you have a sense of mission about everything you do in life? That I am here in my neighborhood to represent Jesus Christ and to hold forth a biblical worldview that, that could be a beacon, a light in the darkness of this world. Those other worldviews we mentioned, they're leading to darkness and despair and destruction. There is no life. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as Christians, we, we end up fighting about doctrine, and you have to have right doctrine. But I want to see right doctrine in our lives, living it out. If it isn't lived out, it doesn't mean anything up here. And the reality is we need to stop everything in our life and ask, what does God say about this? What's God say about child discipline? What's God say about liberty? What's God say about voting? What's God say about this issue? And then to see I'm on a mission. God has left me here 
I don't know how long he'll leave us here, but God has left us here, and we're to make a difference in other people's lives. Do you see the opportunities that come into your life? God said, I didn't ask that you take them out of the world. I asked that you'd sanctify them. That means that they'd really start living biblically. And that you would use them for his glory. Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would challenge us in these truths that we have just momentarily touched on. And Lord, I pray that if there is one here today that does not know the redemption of you, does not know the forgiveness of sin, Lord, I pray today before they leave that they would call upon Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. That they would mention to someone here today, can you help me so I can know that I'm a child of God? And we could show them from the Bible how to receive the gift of Jesus Christ for eternal life. And then, Lord, I pray for the many here that are believers, the many that profess to know you. I pray that we would examine our hearts. Do we really have a biblical worldview? Are we living it out of our lives? Has it, has it reached down and made us better husbands and wives and children, better neighbors, better workers, better bosses, better caretakers of the resources you've given us, and so on and so forth? And Lord, I pray that we would follow your leading and our lives would touch the world, that we wouldn't just think, seek to... to run away from the world and, and hide and hope the Lord comes. Lord, I pray that we would be about your business, that we'd never forget the mission that you've put us on. So, Lord, have your way in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads.